Well, Nate Ferry, thank you for joining me today. Um, I, I'm, I'm always excited to have someone else say, hey, this really works other than us uh, because we're biased. Uh, and Sten is only one of thousands of advisors that have learned this and are implementing that we've had contact with. And so, um, you know, I, I love conversations like this, Nate, because it um, it encourages other advisors that, hey, I can do this too. And so I'd love for those listening to find as many connection points with you and your story as possible. Uh, so let's just start with um, where you are, how long you've been in the business, and and how you describe sort of your business today to people who are asking about, you know, what do you do? Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been in the business for 24 years now. Um, but as an advisor for the, just the last five and have owned my own company, it'll be three years on February 1st. So um, still relatively new back into the financial advising uh, mm-hmm. side of things. I was a wholesaler for uh, the vast majority of the previous part of that, that 24 years of tenure. Um, as far as how I would describe my business, um, I mean, when somebody asks, what do I do? I, I help business owners pay less in taxes and feel comfortable about their financial decisions. Um, and that's really as simple as it is. But when we dive into it, um, obviously we have to, you know, you, you know, what's involved behind the scenes. Um, but, that's what I do. And I, I do that for a select group of people. Um, I mean, there are 12,000 financial advisors in the state of Wisconsin. Um, there are six and a half million people in the state. Uh, there are plenty of clients to go around, but I want to work with that business owner in Southeastern Wisconsin. Um, that is uh, second generation, third generation uh, business owner and, or a business that's closely held um, owner operator type type company. So that's that's what my that's what my niche is. That's where my focus is. Okay, let me ask you about a specific word you use uh, because it could, to some people, be sort of a throwaway. But I think it's pretty beautiful. Like, like you hear the word and you're like, "That is perfect." Um, do you know a word I'm going to ask you about? You, what uh, do you do? No, but I'm excited. <laughs> I'm okay. excited to hear what it is. Comfortable. Yeah. Um, I think you could use confident as well. Um, but the context of that, so people don't have to rewind, uh, is, by the way, I feel like I'm aging myself when I say rewind because I'm, en- I'm envisioning like a VHS tape and it's like, or my, you know, my tape. Anyway. Sorry, we're, we're about the same age. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's a lot easier now to rewind. Um, yeah. uh, but it's the idea that you, that you help business owners pay less in taxes. And, and re- is it the phrasing feel comfortable about their financial decisions? Is that the wording? Yeah. I mean, so I have a kind of a sub tagline. Uh, it's on my website and kind of share it with people that uh, clarity is confidence, confidence is trust and trust is everything. Um, so let's, 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 let's slow down. I love yeah. it. So let's break it down. What's the first part of that? Clarity is, is confidence. All right. So clarity, if you're clear about something, you're more confident about mm-hmm. it. Okay. Yep. Confidence is trust. When you have a habit or a history of being clear and confident about decisions, it starts to build trust in the process and yeah. in the teamwork. And then trust, I mean, obviously kind of trumps everything. Trust is everything. Uh, without trust, you can't make good decisions. Without trust, you can't. Um, every little setback is seen uh, bigger than it actually is. Mm, yeah. 
I'm thinking of, you know, the market goes down a little bit. Do you trust it? Or your spouse makes you mad. Do you trust them? Right. Yeah. You know, um, your employee doesn't have the best performance or makes a mistake. Do you trust them? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you put on your seatbelt because you trust it, you know. Um, so, yeah. So there's that. There's a lot to that. So you are you're very honed in on that. And I love the way that you did those numbers. I would encourage folks to also consider maybe mathematically considering, you know, how many advisors are in their state and how many people there are and and get their heads wrapped around the abundance of that. So tell me about, um, you know, what do you think prepared you in your years of, I mean, that's an interesting track of wholesaling and like what prepared you to to pay, to have people pay you for your time and ideas? I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. Um, my stepdad owned a business, my aunt and uncles owned businesses, grandparents, several generations back. Um, so the language, the philosophy, the mentality of being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, um, I can actually trace back to when I was eight years old. Um, and I remember the specific event and we can get into that if you'd like. Um, but I knew that this is what I wanted to do from a very young age. Um, and I feel like the, the time as a wholesaler showed me a whole lot of what not to do. Tell me more about that. Um, as a wholesaler, I got to know, say, 11,000 of the 12,000 advisors in the state over a 15-year career. Um, I got to meet advisors from every major broker-dealer, independent, RIA, wirehouse, et cetera. Right. Um, and it was far more frequent than I would ever admit or feel comfortable admitting um, when the conversation ultimately turned to what is in it for the advisor. Um, Not what does this product do for my clients? How do I explain this? It was ultimately how much do I get paid on this? And are you going to blow me up? You know, it was kind of the the conversation. Um, So from a behavioral psychology standpoint, you know, behavioral finance, behavioral psychology standpoint, it was interesting to see where the motivation of the vast majority of people in our field lie or laid. Um, yeah. But also the the ones who were different um, stuck out like a, you know, like, like a sore thumb um, because they constantly ask good questions about the feeling, how we explain this. Um, what is the end result? When does this not work? Things like, you know, questions like that. Um, so just learning about people and learning about the business, learning about the, the restrictions that different firms and different types of firms offer yeah. or have on their, have on their employees was, that was part of it. But my time, how do I put this? The things that we're responsible for, yeah, it's, it's, you can't even number it. Right. I mean, if you just go through the ideas list, I mean, there could be a hundred things there that we we have to be. As an advisor, you're saying the amount of specific things that you are responsible for sort of knowing something about. Correct. Uh, all the nuances are are al- almost countless, right? Correct. And as a wholesaler, it's basically your products and your competitive product, products, and that's it. So I had a lot of free time, um, and I, I spent a lot of time delving into behavioral psychology um, and topics that kind of... Um, 
revolved around how people think, how they make decisions. Um, I love the, you know, the investment decision filter um, because of that, right? Because you're, you're instantly setting people up with a task that they can't know about, but you can kind of see where they, where they are just with that question. Have you heard of this? Right. Right. Um, So I spent a lot of time learning about that part of the business, um, that part of our lives, what motivates people, what, um, what will, help them make a decision, what will hinder them making a decision. Are you, uh, do you think that you, um, this is not a rhetorical question. I really am curious. Yeah. Do you think that your understanding of, um, of sort of human behavior at this point, and uh-huh. you studied it, we're all part of it, but being a part of something and studying it is very different, right? Um, is it now intuitive for you to, have an understanding and react in a way that says, listen, I understand this person's fears. I understand their hesitations. I understand their doubts that I'm going to be able to talk to them in such a way that by the time we're done, they're going to, they're going to say, okay, I, I trust you now. Yeah, I would, I would like to think so. Um, and again, this is, you know, me, I don't, I don't like to pat myself on the back, but yeah, I, I think that it's, well, it's, I wouldn't have you on the show if you were not doing a good job. So, no, and I appreciate that, yeah. but you so know, you're humble, 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 the back I, humble confidence, I right? You, right. Yeah. Well, let me, let me go back though. I want to, yeah. I want to challenge something I think is interesting about the industry. And I, and I hope that people are leaning in because this could get a little spicy. Okay. Um, and again, uh, not a rhetorical question. I'm not, I'm not really sure of the answer, which is why I'm asking it. You talked about people who were inquisitive. They really want to understand the product. They weren't mm-hmm. like, Hey, what's in it for me? Am I right or wrong? And I'm both all the time that there are people in the industry that can just get it and find it and push it through and sell it, sell it, sell it. Mm-hmm. And they can do really, really, really well doing that. Um, really essentially just, you know, not that it's hurting the client, but it's, it's, it, they, they will find a way to sell it if it's profitable enough for them. And then there's another group that will also be able to sell it, but they'll sell it in a different way. They'll provide it in a different way. Are those, are those two groups the most successful groups? I think it depends on their definition of success. And well, sure, yes, I mean, but, but yeah, the first group is I want to sell the crap out of this thing because oh my mm-hmm. gosh, Nate, that's good money. And the other is well, if it's the right fit, then I'll sell a lot of them, right? Uh, but I, I I think it's it's easy to say, hey, if you always look for the best thing for your customer. You'll always rise to the top. Well, I think I think I hope that to be true, but at the same time, those other people who just go, I'm just going to sell whatever the highest commission thing is, and, mm-hmm. and I sleep fine at night, right? Well, so, here in the Milwaukee area, we have a perfect example of that. What's uh, that? Going to share the firm name, but there's a company here that's an insurance company that is, uh, um, I, I think, near and dear to Sten's heart because um, he spent <laughs> some time there, um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean their their whole philosophy is is sell more, sell more, sell more. So when we talk about the average path, um, if you can sell a hundred lives, you can sell two hundred lives. If you can sell two hundred lives, you can sell four hundred lives. So just yeah, the more. answer the answer to every problem is more. Correct, right. and I think yeah. that that can be successful if we measure success in dollars um, yeah. to the advisor. I think where you see the the um, synergistic effects of success is when the advisor and the client are on the same page and there's a product involved or a solution involved, right. or there's a team, you know, a partnership involved. And that's where, okay. you know, back to the clarity, confidence, and trust, 
Um, I think that's what that latter advisor you were talking about thrives in. And the the former advisor um, always thinks about their pocket. And I'm going to give my father-in-law credit. Um, when I was new in this business, um, one of the things he said, and he's a business owner, uh, was that if you think with your pocket, it'll stay empty. But if you think with their, your clients, yours will take care of itself. Mm, interesting. And literally every day that goes through my brain. Sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, as a Christian, there's a whole lot of truth. And, you know, if you want to, I mean, I mean, I've heard that message where, you know, when you're feeling, when you're feeling down, you're feeling like things aren't going really well. The solution to that is to go serve other people. It's mm-hmm. not to go fix yourself. You know what I mean? Totally uh, agree. Yep. So it's that counterintuitive. If I go help other people, then what do you know? Uh, I get taken care of at the same time. Let me ask you specifically about the, the shift in growth in your business from wholesaler to advisor. Um, and so you felt confident enough in, in ideas. When, when did you, when did you decide what was, what was your progression of, Hey, I'm going to put a price on like, was it from the very beginning that you said, Hey, if you want to work with me, yeah, you can buy this policy and yeah, you can invest money and I get a percentage of that. But, but if you're going to work with me, um, you know, there's going to be a fee involved. Mm-hmm. What's been your progression of that? And give us the cliff notes and then let's, let's talk about where you're at today. Yeah. But where did that come from? How long have you been doing that? So I, I, I'm celebrating three years um, at my current broker dealer on February 1st. And I came here with that in mind that I wanted to be able to do, um, be able to offer my services in more than one cost structure or investment structure. So only uh, three years specifically of this. Correct. But I really only started actually charging the the financial planning fee January 1st. Um, and part of it was because um, even though I knew that that was what I wanted to do, I didn't have the confidence in myself yet to be able to quantify what the value actually is, what the what the deliverables are, what the process or the... Um, you know, yeah, what, the, what, what do you actually buy? Like? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when yeah. someone buys a ticket, as an example, I don't know, I've never been to Disneyland or Disney World, but people who have been would say, oh, yeah, it costs this much. And I'd go, why? Like, oh, you haven't experienced it. So that's mm-hmm. why you don't understand the value right. of the cost. Right. Yeah. Yep. And so for on your end, you know, metaphorically, but also accurate, like factually, like you don't want to write a check you can't cash. Right. Mm-hmm. Meaning, again, showing our age for people who used to write checks. Um, <laughs> Shout out to people who remember what checks are. Um, but but you don't want to sell something that you're not clear on the deliverable, which sounds really mm-hmm. simple, but like that happens a lot of how to charge a life. People are like, hey, listen, this sounds great charging somebody eight grand to sit across the table and talk to them, but like, what am I giving them? Right. <laughs> right? So yeah. so really it's been um just you know not that long that you've said, Hey, I feel confident enough in this process now. You were confident enough in your ideas, it sounds like, but you weren't confident enough in packaging them in order to sell them. Is that fair? I think that's that's very fair. I also didn't lead with the value. I didn't lead with, look, I'm going to give you a couple concepts that you can take with you and use no matter what, and here are a couple specific strategies we might might explore. Right? I didn't I didn't lead like that. I led with, oh yeah, we can do tax loss harvesting, and there's a manager that does that, you know, or there's. you know, this insurance company does this and this, you know, so it's still very product oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's the average path. That's the, that's what the industry kind of forces on us. Um, and honestly, it took some very intentional conversations with uh, my compliance department, with my manager, with 
um, you know, the, the, the team that I work with. What do you mean um, by intentional? Like, is that just that like you're, you're, you got more clear on the value you're adding? Like, what is that? What does that look like? Is it just asking for permission or is it saying, Hey, I'm going to do this. How do we find a way to do it? What does that look it like? That. Someone who's yeah. worried. It, it was, it was, Hey, I want to do this. What steps do we need to take to make sure that this is a smooth process and meaningful process for the, for the client? Yeah. Uh, Stan says, um, so. approach compliance first with just gentleness and humility. Because they're not used to either one of those, meaning a lot of advisors come at them with hubris and overconfidence um, and not being gentle, right? They're used to sort of just getting yelled at mm-hmm. uh, or told you're slowing me down or you're screwing up my business or whatever. Sales prevention okay. department. Right. Sales prevention, right? But he says, hey, how can how can we make this happen um, together, right? Like, I'm going to do this. How can we make it happen? Yep. And For that sure. was the conversation we had. And yeah. it w- like I said, it was a very intentional conversation. Um, ultimately, so our firm had one way of, of doing fee for advice. What was, was it? Um, it was a, it was an annual 12 month commitment. Um, there was one form you could only pay from an internal account. Yeah. And we're actually in the process of now I can do three months, six months, 12 months or nine months or 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, I can do a business consulting relationship or personal consulting uh, relationship. Um, and we're actually, my understanding is that we can actually have the client pay with an external ACH, um, or check. Um, but also, uh, we're fingers crossed that we might actually be able to do a credit card as well, um, for that, for that cost as well. And that kind of came about because there, uh, was another advisor, um, in California, I believe who was having a similar conversation at the same time. We both work with business owners yeah. and, like I had one business owner say, "Hey, can I use my Amex Platinum?" Yeah, the points, right? Okay, great, that's awesome. Sure. Yeah, we might actually be able to do that in the, in the near future here, which just yeah. it just it reduces the barriers to be able to. So your new sales pitch is a free flight with every financial plan. Yeah, right. So have to use the right. Right. Yeah, I should do. I, I should talk free. to Amex and see if I can free get upgrade. Right. You, yeah. you just have a little Amex uh, pamphlets uh, brochure. Is at your desk? Yeah. You know, fill one of these out. And, you know. Um, yeah. So, so it's, that obviously is going well. I, I want to connect with those who are listening in this regard. A lot of people listen to the show. Um, they are charging for their advice, uh, or or they're 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 at the beginning of it. What has brought you the most confidence in your journey of charging for advice? What What would you say is for those who go, well, you know, I'm starting and I'm dipping my toe in, it, I'm kind of waiting, like. What's the thing that will inject the most confidence in an advisor if they can get to it? What is that then? Um, honestly, I would say it's, it's practice. Um, practice what? Practice your quanti- your ability to quantify the value. And that okay. there's a whole, I mean, we could do a whole podcast just on that. Um, We've done other episodes for sure. Yeah, exactly. We'll yeah. More. yeah. Go see episode XXX. Um, there you go. Yeah. Um, no, but I think that's it, practice makes perfect, but practice with people who are going to give you honest feedback. So that's first and foremost, but I think it comes back to being intentional about scheduling as well. Um, and scheduling the time to practice, scheduling the time to meet with idea partners, scheduling the time to do the tasks that get you to the confidence that you need to be able to do that, uh, to offer that service. Um, and that's, that's what it took for me. Um, so I've been a member since November of last year. And I spent all of November and all of December intentionally scheduling time to watch the podcast, listen to the episodes, 
um, take notes, challenge myself, practice my presentations, meet with my idea partners, get rid of some idea partners, get some new idea partners, um, but basically get rid of the, uh, you know, the, the, the mental blocks that I had to be able to say confidently, um, Hey, we can do this, this, and this, and we're just scratching the surface here, but we can, we might be able to save you X number of dollars in taxes this year alone. Yeah. You know, how does that sound? Here's what the engagement looks like. Um, this or this, you know, these are the two options that, as far as how we can work for, uh, move forward. Um, but yeah, it's that time blocking and intentional scheduling that's kind of made the, the, the best procedural impact for me. What does it feel like when you share these ideas that are just ideas? They're not promises. You know, they're not life insurance contracts. They're, you know, they're ideas, <laughs> you know, they're strategies. What is it like to present those in a meeting for the first time with a prospect? And by the end of that meeting, they're excited. I mean, they genuinely are like, let's go, right? What's that like? The first time I did it, I was, I was, uh, I mean, it was like going on a first date, you know, yeah. it's like standing <laughs> up at the altar before the, before I haven't done that in a while, right? The aisle, yeah. Right. Um, the first time you do it, it's, I mean, it was, it was nerve wracking. Um, and it was somebody that I know that I've worked with for years yeah. and, um, just said, Hey, look, the, you know, we've had some changes and we're just moving in a slightly different direction. We can still work together the way we have, but I wanted to make sure you understand these new things that we may be able to do. And that opened up and a that's whole a conversation. World. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. That's a, that's a conversation. Everyone make sure you catch that. This is someone that you had been working with or knew how you were working and you pivot. It's the most com- one of the most common questions that we get other than how do I get clients? How do I get prospects? Right. Is how do I transition or move someone that I've had an existing relationship with into a, a financial planning relationship? And I love that tone of, hey, I'm a business owner. I'm I'm always continuing to develop and grow my business, right? For Elon Musk, that means a cyber truck, right? <laughs> For you, that means, hey, I offer planning now. There's some other options we have. And when you, when you put it in that context, it's like, oh, okay, you have something new to offer. That, that makes sense, right? Yep. So so what's it what's it like when that happens? What does it look like? So I, I kind of gave that preamble and he was like, yeah, tell me more. You know, that was kind of the natural reaction. And um, I took some of the facts that I already knew about him, you know, two kids, 12 and 15 years old, um, owns his business. All I'm doing is managing a small portion of his assets. Um, and I just said, hey, you know, not for nothing, but did you know you could pay your kids? He's like, no, I've heard about this, but tell me about it. So we did, you know, got the whiteboard out and I I, I used my iPad because um, we were at a restaurant. And uh, by the end of just that example, you could see he, he took out his notepad and he started taking notes and he kind of, you can see the body language. He kind of leans in. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, what else? You know, tell me, tell me about what else. What other ideas he got? Yeah. He's in real estate. He owns the business that he's, that is, uh, he owns the building that his business is in. So we talked about cost segregation. We talked about a few other ideas. And I think the, the light bulb went off when it wasn't about another mutual fund or a stock yeah. or yeah. an annuity or a life insurance policy. When it was about, ideas and it was it, i kind of positioned myself as the general manager of his team yeah that's when the light bulb went off and i you know he's he's paying me a six thousand dollar 
fee to do a you know a three month engagement with a financial plan at the end never would have had that opportunity to explore any of his other assets let alone you know provide that value for him yeah um, we're actually we just started a cost segregation study you know et cetera et cetera so it's already progressed to a point yeah. where he's already seeing value um, far in excess of the six thousand dollars well yeah you would hope yeah right so it, it's it I think what's interesting too, I don't know if this is, this is a nuance. I don't know how many people picked up on what Nate said there, but the gentleman said, yeah, I've already heard about, I've heard about that, but, but like, like people, th- you don't, this is it's so interesting. One of the other very common questions we get is like, like, what are some more killer ideas? Listen, there's, a, there's some really good planning ideas out there that maybe people haven't heard of, but even the ones they have heard of, right? Like if you want to get healthy, it's like, what's the killer idea? Like, I don't know, eat better exercise you know now they've got some drugs you can inject apparently but beyond those you know it's not new you know like don't sit at your desk all day you know i mean try to be happier that's good for you like meaning but but there's this implementation gap right and that's what advisors would always say like people could go to this on their own but they don't and so what's your job your job is help people implement and so don't let don't put the excuse in front of you that Oh, they already probably already know this. Well, then, then that's okay. There, what else? What's, do you what's the worst that could happen? And I, and I kind of, if I have an idea that somebody has an advisor, I know they have another advisor, or they have a CPA, or I, I always kind of, you know, um, disarm that or diffuse that uh, up front. I'm, I'm I'm sure your other advisor has already mentioned this, but that's you know, cold, you're bro. you're gonna love that's this cold, idea. Mate. That's cold. Throwing people under the bus right and left, right? Uh, no, that's great. That's great. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I. I don't know if I'm gonna be that harsh. It's, it maybe maybe your advisors told you this. If they're worth, you know, two pennies, you know. But yeah, no, that's great, man. That's great. So let's talk about. I want. I want to end with this, which is that. Well, first, if you don't mind sharing, like, kind of, what's your average fee range looking like now? And then what do you feel like your potential is moving forward as you grow and scale your business? Um, so year to date, um, I've brought on seven new planning clients. Uh, this month? Yeah, this month. Uh, $69,000. So year to date, it's only been a month. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Dry January. Yeah. Um, but yeah, seven new planning clients, um, $69,000 in, in uh, fees. Um, six of the seven are three-month engagements. And then... The um, the seventh one is a six month engagement because there's a larger project. Now, what's the fee uh, involved? So, and it's already led to about three and a half million dollars in net new assets um, year to date. So, this year my goal is twelve new planning clients, and the reason it's twelve, the reason it's not more, is because of capacity. So, I know I need, and I'm working with you guys on and my team here on um, kind of expanding that right sizing roles, bringing on okay. a new person. But this year it's twelve. Think we'll probably be able to exceed that, but that's my goal this year. What's your minimum fee? Six thousand. And and what's the most you would think? Hey, I, I I'm willing to take you on at that without you treating me like you're I'm your employee. And what's your max that you feel like you would be able to substantiate? Um, so I have um, one client that's that's at twenty four thousand. Uh, yeah. Anything beyond that, right now, I don't know that I I would be able to feel comfortable delivering on that. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. 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 Well, here's what I want to end on. Um, and you mentioned this earlier. 
Um, so we'll spend just a couple minutes on it. Something that I think that, um, it, no, I think I know you do well is, I don't know if it's all the time, but it, uh, most of the time, you don't give yourself a task without giving it a time. This is very simple. And, um, but most people don't do this, right? So tell us how, what, what, what that is and how it helps. And then we'll wrap up. As far as time blocking and making yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I used to operate in a very inefficient task, task oriented manner. And, um, you know, I had the, I had the to-do list just like everybody else. And the first thing we do when we have a to-do list is look for the most pleasant tasks. So the ones that are going to make us the most money. Uh, um, preach it. Preach it. Yeah. And I don't remember who said it, what book it came from, but this whole idea of eating the frog, you know, yeah. look for the most unpleasant task yeah. and do that one first because then everything else is better. Yeah. Started that kind of transition. What did it for me was that from September through November, I kept track of every minute that I worked. Oof, yeah. Literally every minute I, I, and then I made a note if it was during market hours or after market hours okay. uh, or outside of market hours. And I found that about 40% of my hours worked were outside of regular market hours. And that was kind of, it kind of disgusted me to think that. What, did that, was, what does that clarify for me though? Yeah. Maybe others know, but why, why did that hurt so much? Because that's time that I should be spending with my family. That's time that I should be spending on myself at the gym or hiking or, you know, doing things that I enjoy, okay. um, friends, family, et cetera. Um, for the most part percent of your time was. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because again, my, my, I'm, I'm bolstering my staff so that that can help with that stuff. But what I found was that there was no way I was ever going to be able to bring somebody on board or level up one of my, one of my current teammates. Um, if I didn't have, a system and a process in place if I didn't have discipline in place. So I started doing, I started time blocking uh, general tasks about two years ago and then really got into it when I, when I kind of saw the numbers from my time tracking um, September through November last year. Um, Give us a general definition of time blocking. I mean, it sounds simple, but what is it? um, Send an email to Andy instead of putting it on a post-it that's going to live on a post-it and you're going to move it six times and rewrite it three or four times. Um, just put it in the calendar today, three o'clock, five minutes, send email to Andy. And now if it's there, if it's on the calendar already, a, nobody else can impinge on your time. Right. Right. Nobody can schedule a Calendly meeting with you. Let me push back on that. Why not just do it in that moment? Sometimes, well, sometimes you have to, but at the same time, um, email is somebody else's agenda. So yeah, if yeah. if it's not a fire, if it's not an emergency, and that's yeah. just an example. I, no, I, I was thinking of I was thinking of you have that thought and you're driving in your car. So that's not a good time to send an email to Andy, right? That too. And, yeah, voice control. That, right. Yeah. And so, it's super so. simple to do it with voice controls now. Um yeah. but I I have two times a day that I respond to emails. And I tell people now, like I'm very open. Hey, from eleven thirty to twelve and then four thirty to five, I'm that's when I reply to emails. I'll get back to you today. But it will be during one of those windows. If you have an emergency, here's who you call. How is that? Um, I mean, has it made anybody mad? It's upset a couple of people, but guess what? I don't want to work with those people anyway. If they're going to be mad because I don't get back to them immediately about an email, if it's not an emergency, if I get back to them three hours later, yeah, 
then I'm not valuing my time. Like, would you expect your doctor to call you back immediately? Maybe the office. I mean, I expect 911 to pick up the phone, but other than that, people got lives, right? Exactly. You know, so my emergency is not their emergency, right? Right. Unless it's 911 and then, you know, pick up the phone. It's your right. Job. But also I have people to cover those. Like I have, co- I have my 911 coverage. Yeah. This is somebody saying, hey, I hurt my elbow. You got to call me right now. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I found that to be true as well. And I appreciate that. And, and I, and I hope that there's a lot of takeaways people have from our conversation, but I, I, I really hope that one of them, I mean, it, there's, you know, life is just a lot of very small decisions. Sometimes we got to make some big ones, but most of our life is a series of very small decisions. And the decision to do something in that moment or do it later, uh, or to drop it all together and say, I'm not going to do it. It's not that important to me. Um, whether that's working out, whether that's what time you wake up, you know, the books you read, you know, what we, um, medicate ourselves with. I mean, it's all, it's, you know, we, we make so many decisions. And I think that, um, time blocking essentially says, I'm going to take responsibility for how I spend my time mm-hmm. instead of letting the tyranny of the urgent, um, beat me up to where I, at the end of the day, I look back at my schedule. And it doesn't look like I was that busy, yet I was busy all day, and yet I feel like I've done nothing. Yeah, busy is the new stupid. Yeah, yeah. Are you busy or are you productive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other, if I could share one other thing, the other way it's helped is um, personally, honestly. So um, Tuesday and Thursdays I have blocked out for family. So from five p.m. on, it's on my calendar. I don't put anything on those times because that's family time. Yeah. What was before you were working? It just wasn't blocked out. So there'd be times that like, you know, I'd be invited to a dinner or, you know, we'd want to go to a a baseball game or something like that. And they would, you know, the business would override whatever would happen. But now my wife and I, and we've agreed that if we're going to do something as a family, we have Tuesdays and Thursdays at our disposal now. So there's no question that if she books something on a Tuesday, I don't have a conflict. We don't have to ask. Yeah. And that's really the blessing of guardrails, you know, is it protects you from getting off course, um, you know, and it, it's a, it's a friendly reminder. Like you could go off course if you want to, but it's you're gonna it's gonna be painful. Um, yeah, it, it creates a, a safe space for you to operate uh, without regret. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and and I think the fundamental problem for those who are listening and for anyone who's an advisor is there's always more. Right. I mean, there's, it, it, you know, it's not like the factory shut down. No, you could always turn it back on. You can always, because mm-hmm. you are the machine. Right. And so, um, that's, that's the temptation. Right. And so it's, it's time blocking is telling yourself what to do later now. And so when later comes, you go, Oh, this is what I'm doing mm-hmm. instead of what do I feel or what's someone else's agenda. And, um, yeah. And generally the other thing is you're tricking yourself to, obey a command and you're making those decisions, those commands in a, in a stronger period of time and later when you're weak. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah. And it's, it's, I don't know if you've had these situations. I have a few times where someone asked for an appointment. I'm like, this is my favorite one. Actually. I'll go, you know, I'm, I booked up during that time. I already have an appointment and my appointment is to go watch a movie. Great. But it's an, I don't tell them, you know, I'm going to go watch a movie because yeah. they'll like judge that. But if I go, oh, you know, I'm booked. I have a, I have an appointment. I always think about what a doctor would say. If, if you 
called a doctor and said, Hey, I'd like to come in for a physical on Tuesday. Right. But the doctor's in Tahiti or whatever. They're not going to say, Oh, I'm, in, I'm on vacation. I'm in Tahiti. They're saying, Oh, I'm booked. Right? <laughs> it's all about the messaging. It's not, they don't need to know. Yeah. Sorry. I'm already helping somebody at that point. Yeah. Um, and, and that person happens to be me so, themselves. Right. Which is fine. Yeah. yeah. Well, Nate, thank you for your story and uh, way to go. And um, I have a hunch you're going to end up with more than 12, whether you like it or not. Because uh, here's my hunch is I, I think that you're going to get it figured out and find a way to scale that. Um, and, and you know, again, more is not always the right answer, uh, but uh, I'm confident you're going to serve whoever you end up getting as a client uh, very well. And I appreciate you sharing your story. And uh, thanks for being a part of our EN community. Thanks for being part of How to Charge Live. I'm glad that it paid for itself um, and uh, and more. So thanks yeah. for your time today. No, and thank you guys for um, creating the community. It's definitely helped uh, put words to the feelings that uh, and the thoughts that I had prior to, you know, being able to do this confidently. So, yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you guys very much. You're welcome. Thanks for your time, my friend. Yep, absolutely. Have a good one.